Are you ready to take your business to the next level? Every day, there are countless books and articles that are published offering the key on how to make your business a success. It's easy to feel overwhelmed trying to keep up and run your business. That's why Deb Creer created the Business Power Hour. Keep up on the latest trends, best practices, and techniques for how to make your business a success. Let the Business Power Hour do the heavy work for you. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about giving professionals the tools that they need to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And today, we're going to be talking about my favorite subject in the world, and that's marketing. And it is so interesting to talk with experts because everybody has a little bit different take. And, you know, it's it's always so much fun because I learn and I figure if I'm learning something, the people who are listening and watching this program learn also. So please join me in welcoming today's guest, Nathan Young. Welcome, Nathan. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks, Deb, for having me. So excited Perfect. for uh, today's show. I love it. I love it. Well, let me tell people a little bit about you, then we will jump into this. So with over 10 years of marketing experience, Nathan Young currently runs a seven-figure agency and works with some of the largest B2B brands in Canada, such as Constellation Software. He focuses on using marketing as a function, not just to drive marketing qualified leads, which are MQLs, but to amplify revenue. He has scaled his fractional CMO services into a team consisting of over 25 full-time employees. So again, Nathan, welcome. I'm uh, super excited to share whatever I can, and hopefully the the listeners today get some value from from my experiences. Perfect. I'm sure they will. Well, I always like to ask my guests, how is it that you got to where you are today? How did you decide that this is what you want to do, at least for right now? You know, um, I I think one of the things was really, um, I came actually out of a COO job from an ad technology company, and when Mm -hmm. I left, um, several of the employees left with me. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm I'm definitely a very loyal person. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I needed to create a home for them. Okay. And so we created a marketing agency kind of from nothing. So mm-hmm. I kind of said to them, I was like, look, I've run service-based businesses before. Mm-hmm. I know what we need to do. I know how to sell. Um, if you are really looking for an opportunity, you know, I can't promise you salary tomorrow, mm-hmm. but I can promise you that if we work at this for one or two months, we could probably get a business mm-hmm. going pretty quick. And that's kind of what we did. Wow. Um, so, you know, we really started on the bottom end of the funnel, like really mm-hmm. small businesses. You know, we're talking about really small contract sizes. Okay. And we've really worked ourselves up to mid-market to enterprise now. And um, and why do I do it right now? Um, you know, I do it because I find marketing an incredibly challenging function. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's enjoyable. That's, that's something that I enjoy. I enjoy really trying to understand what are the best ways for marketing to add value into an organization. And, and I, and I mean this in the sense that like marketing is not this like single tool hammer thing that, Mm -hmm. you know, is deployed the same way Mm -hmm. in every organization. It can be deployed in different ways. um, And in different ways, they can add value to organizations in in Mm -hmm. other formats, one of which is obviously amplifying revenue. Um, but there's other things that are, are very beneficial, right? There's other things where marketing can help talent acquisition and talent retention, um, there's other things where um, marketing can really help in terms of positioning and product development um, and really looking at marketing, not again, in this pigeonhole perspective of MQLs, mm-hmm. but again, in this in this position where it's a function that can add value. You have to understand how it's going to add value, though. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm here. I love it. It's like it's great work. And we work with incredibly challenging organizations. Mm-hmm. Constellation Software is not an easy company to work with. And we love working with them because it's mm-hmm. a challenge. Uh, we work with private equity firms across Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that work is all very intellectually enjoyable. Mm-hmm. It's very challenging. It's not boring work. I bet. I love it. Well, you know, I noticed on your LinkedIn profile that you launched the company. It looks like right before COVID. <laughs> 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 yeah. So such fun, such fun. Um, but, you know, one of the things that that we saw was that people obviously had to scale back. Didn't matter where they were, they just scaled back, you know, because they could not go meet with their clients. They couldn't do all these things. And as is often the case, it, you know, and, and in my long years of experience, I have seen this. One of the first things that gets cut is marketing, which is 
the, the last thing that they should be doing. Um, you know, and, and so, you know, did you find that? And, and what, what did you find when you were going forward during, during COVID? We were really, you brought up a great point. So essentially the story of the business was we were stuck at like four or five employees for the longest time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then essentially we hockey sticked. So we went from four or fives and we went straight to like 15 Ooh. in like less than eight months. Mm-hmm. And then that was right before COVID. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately for me, um, we did have to cut back. And it was the first time in the in the organizational history we actually had to lay off employees. And that was an incredibly painful experience. Mm-hmm. So I think we shrunk down to, I think, 10 or 11 employees. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't actually lose contracts. Ah. So it was really interesting that we were pretty insulated with the organizations we were working mm-hmm. with. And we were very fortunate. Um, and the only reason I contracted was because I didn't I didn't understand growth. I don't think anyone understood growth at that point. Uh, yeah, so during that period, it was like, yeah. <laughs> no, one, no, one, no one knew the world was ended, right? You know, mm-hmm. like I, I remember I was flying back from Toronto on like one of the first flights from um, Toronto to Vancouver. That mm-hmm. was right when the big four accounting firms all right. said, you know, everyone's going to work from mm-hmm. home. Mm-hmm. And I've never been on a domestic flight where it was like seven people maybe on that plane. Wow. You and were was, one of the last ones out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was like one of the last kind of like regular plane rides. Everyone mm-hmm. was freaking out. I was talking to now my ex-wife. Like I was like, hey, should should I be on this plane? Like, mm-hmm. is this like sketchy? And so it was, it was just a really, you know, it was a really challenging moment in the organization. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, we were very fortunate that, you know, not all contracts mm-hmm. went away, but, but I will say amongst my peer groups, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Marketing got absolutely destroyed. Right. It was, it's the, it's the easiest thing for people to cut back on. Mm-hmm. And Deb, you're correct. Um, it is a bit of a contrarian play, but mm-hmm. when people are cutting back, people have to remember business owners should remember that when you're buying ads, mm-hmm. it is a competitive market. Right. And if, that means when everyone is else is cutting back, you have to understand that the ads that you are buying during that moment will likely be anywhere between 20 to 30% cheaper, mm-hmm. which means you can get 20 to 30% more impressions right. and more reach. Mm-hmm. And so therefore your ad dollars are more effective. Yes, mm-hmm. you may not be getting decisions right then and there mm-hmm. because everyone's likely freezing budgets, but you have to remember the, like performance marketing, mm-hmm. last touch attribution, mm-hmm. these immediate type products, most people don't fall under that category unless right. you're a divorce lawyer, mm-hmm. a plumber, mm-hmm. a locksmith, right. a car mechanic. Like mm-hmm. they're very set like services mm-hmm. where they fall in this like immediate mm-hmm. demand generation type mm-hmm. activities. Right. And they could not go don't. into people's homes or people couldn't come to them. Yeah. So, so, so the reality is, is like you should be marketing because the reality is, Mm -hmm. is that the people that you're marketing to likely don't make decisions in a day anyways. So you still need to have that frequency. Mm -hmm. You still need to have that, that reminder that you exist. You have Mm -hmm. to get people into the sense that you actually exist in this market. Um, so, so yeah, uh, you know, I think it's absolutely foolish that people cut back, but you mm-hmm. know, it's, it's, a, it's an easy thing for people to make a decision on. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it, but it's one of those weird things when they decide to cut that and then they're like, but we're not getting the calls, you know? So their salespeople are going, what's going on? You know, all of those things. Well, it's because you cut back on your marketing um, or worse. And I've had this happen. They say the salespeople can handle it. More than likely, they have absolutely no clue. (laughs) (laughs) And phone calls stop working, right? Mm -hmm. People aren't actually at their office phone Mm -hmm. anymore. And Mm -hmm. no one really enjoys getting a cell phone call. So, so, you know, it really, it, it, I will say it fundamentally changed the sales and marketing Mm -hmm. market. Right. Um, And I think on how we think about um, really talking to our potential prospects. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We did. We started reaching out to them in a totally different way. Um, you know, whether because, you know, we had no networking, we had um, no conferences, we had no, you know, knock on the doors and go in and, and see people type of, of sales calls. So to me, that meant that marketing had to completely ramp up because they had to figure out how are we going to reach these people who are now home in their spare bedrooms. Um, they're not sure if the company is going to exist tomorrow, all of those various things. And uh, and and the funny thing is, is that because everyone's working at home, I can almost guarantee you how, how much more time are these people actually spending time working versus potentially just browsing the internet? Mm-hmm. 
Right. And and so there there was actually this great opportunity for people to get in mm-hmm. front of people that they don't normally get mm-hmm. a lot of FaceTime with on ads, right. not, not in person. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know, I'm I'm you know, I'm gonna be honest here. Everyone that started working from home, I I I don't believe you for a second that you're gonna tell me that you are more efficient for the first three months. You were probably right. less efficient. Uh-huh. Yeah, because you were <laughs> like, we <"Wee!" laughs> yeah. No one's behind. Like you know, you know that moment, like when your boss walks by and you got to close your window. Well, there's really none of that anymore, right? right. So, so you can keep playing solitaire or whatever, or your um, Facebook feed's going to be online, or your Twitter feed's going to be online, right. or your favorite YouTube channel is going to be online, or your favorite news channel is going to be. You know, mm-hmm. something's on the side, right? And, mm-hmm. and the reality is that actually presents an opportunity because right. now these people are on other platforms mm-hmm. more often, mm-hmm. which means on an ad perspective, you get the opportunity mm-hmm. to be in front of them, right? Right. You know, and then when you got in front of them, it had to be a, a bit different because like we said, you know, you're you're online maybe with um, you know, Zoom call like what we're doing or or something like that. And so you did have to especially from a sales perspective build those relationships differently. And and I think again, you know, I have always seen sales and marketing as being partners. You know, there's um you don't you don't have one without the other, and then you know you toss in R and D and and you know lots of other things that are in there. But yes, yeah, sales relies on marketing to to be able to give them the the materials, the information, the tools to get in front of people. Yeah, and and that's really why like we position ourselves as a kind of a, an organization, a marketing firm that mm-hmm. specializes in supporting sales led right. organizations, right. and and I think. A lot of companies, a lot of executives, a lot of founders all really pigeonhole marketing in this perspective again mm-hmm. of just like, okay, well, you produce MQLs. That's your job. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like, no, that's that's a job. That's mm-hmm. a way for us to right. help grow the organization. But you know, one of the fundamental things that I really preach when we join and we we get a new client is my, my goal is really to double or triple the productivity of mm-hmm. your sales teams and bring them more leads because right. yes, you need to keep them busy. So outside mm-hmm. of their out, outbound. We need to give them some inbound. And Mm -hmm. at the same time, I want them producing and cycling through more leads per day because we are giving them the tools that they need. Mm -hmm. They get an objection. They have a case study. Mm -hmm. They get, they, they need an explainer video. It's done. They need a landing page. It's done. Mm -hmm. You know, all these things where I don't think salespeople need to be focusing on like this idea that we're completely separate. It's just, it's, it's not a smart Mm -hmm. idea. And thinking that marketing is just about MQLs is, is a, Mm -hmm. You know, honestly, a, a piss poor perspective. Right, really right. <laughs> well, and you know, so many times that the the higher ups are saying, "Okay, well, marketing is who's writing our brochures, who's developing the website." Which, yes, that is part of a marketing function, but again, it is a team. I mean, you know, you could have the snazziest website in the world, but if your sales team can't deliver, whether their fault or you know supply or or things like that, it's not going to matter. Um, you know, and, and, but you also need to be working with them to say, okay, when you make a sales call, what are the frequently asked questions that you get? You know, how is it that we should be addressing that in our marketing materials? You know, all of those things, it is very much a, a teamwork type of thing. It, it is. And, and that's what, like, another thing that we always try to do is I always tell um, new BDRs that I'm going to be like, hey, you know, we're the marketing team with you. Mm-hmm. Let's set up a bi-weekly call mm-hmm. for 15 minutes. Right. We don't need the call. Mm-hmm. doesn't need to be longer than 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. But really, all I want to do in that call is I need you to tell me, what are mm-hmm. your biggest pain points? What are your biggest right. objections? What have you been seeing on the calls? I want mm-hmm. real-time feedback from you to us mm-hmm. so that we are aware mm-hmm. that there are particular features mm-hmm. or you know, just friction points that mm-hmm. we're not aware of because we're not the ones making the calls. Right. And I find that, that that's like often something that just doesn't happen mm-hmm. enough in organizations. Mm-hmm. And we really try to promote that and, and or just educate other um, organizations, mm-hmm. depending on, uh, you know, if we're taking care of that to do that regularly. Mm-hmm. And I just, we don't see that enough. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think we especially saw that a lot during COVID and, and, you know, it, it has lessened to some degree as people have gone back into the office, but it is kind of an out of sight, out of mind type of, of thing, um, you know, and, and so, you know, you needed those meetings basically to say, hello, we're here, um, you know, and, and, and you know, departments needed that, you know, who are their employees and, and then to get everybody involved. Uh, it's funny. I interviewed uh, an expert 
Uh, and it, this would have been about a year ago on who is an expert in introverts. And she is a very extreme introvert. And, and I said, isn't COVID making this easier because you're not in the office? You're not. And she said, actually, it makes it harder because it makes it easier for us to be true introverts. She said, we turn our camera off. We, you know, we, we sit there and, and we don't participate. And, and she said, you know, it, it really makes it so much more difficult for them to be engaged and engrossed in, in going in what's going on. And I think it kind of happens that way with everything. You know, we we just are thinking, um, you know, what what is going on? And this is weird. My phone is blinking at me. I'm not sure why. Um, that um, it's, uh, um, you know, one of these things where, yeah, if, if you don't remind people that you're there, then they don't always remember that, that, that you are part of the team. And that's especially true, I think, when you're not employees, when you are an, an agency who's working with them, you know, they they do tend to forget that, you know, hey, you guys are, are working with Nathan. Um, and, and, you know, I wanted to bring up a funny point because, like, I even remember this and I just I just remember this, you know, I bet you a lot of people don't even remember the days where webcamming and like, e- like, like mm-hmm. these types of calls were kind of not normal. Right. And you got all, oh my God, I have to be on camera. Yeah, it's like, I got to turn yeah. on my webcam. Mm-hmm. I got to feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And and now it's just kind of like everyone just has a webcam. Right. It's just mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's like, I just have it on mm-hmm. and it's kind of normal. Um, so, so, you know, COVID's definitely changed so many things. And, mm-hmm. I, and I think the companies that have done really well are the ones that have really pushed towards a bit more mm-hmm. of a digital future. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, we are starting to see in the organizational perspectives, you know, if we want to talk about business owners and what has changed, mm-hmm. you know, we've definitely reached the point where I think the theory that remote work is mm-hmm. as productive is finally being slightly disproven. Mm-hmm. And a lot of companies are requiring hybrid work. Right, right. And uh, and so I think that's like a big thing to note um, that, you know, I think there was this big push where it's like, oh, look, everyone's so, you know, the exact same when they're at home. And the reality, it's not. Um, and I'll give a great example of this. In my organization, like we run a pretty big creative team. I've got mm-hmm. eight designers. In, in an office setting, um, I would spin my chair Right. And go look at their monitor. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's all mm-hmm. I needed. Mm-hmm. And I would see what every single one of my designers mm-hmm. was working on. Yes. And you know how fast I could course correct mm-hmm. a graphic design element mm-hmm. doing right. that versus mm-hmm. now? Mm-hmm. It's not the same. No. There's no. no way for that that level of efficiency to mm-hmm. be the same. Right. Um, so so you know, I, I think this idea that remote work, I think in very particular roles and responsibilities, remote work works. Mm-hmm. But I think in other responsibilities, it just doesn't. Like a superintendent for a construction company, mm-hmm. you're never going to do remote work. Right. Right. Um, so I think I think that's been a big change as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I am actually kind of glad to see that people are starting to realize mm-hmm. it's not. Um, but, you know, I think the workforce needs to accept mm-hmm. that too. I don't think right. the workforce is willing to accept that. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I do agree. And I think it's it, the hybrid is probably, you know, kind of the, the best thing because yeah, people do get used to working at home. I tell people, I don't want to put my shoes on. Why do I have to put shoes on? Um, and, uh, but I think there's so much of those quick, like you were saying, those quick little interactions that take place when you are in the same space, whether it's, you can turn around and you can see somebody's monitor or you bump into them when they're getting coffee or, you know, whatever. And, and sometimes those quick interactions are the biggest thing that happens that day. Uh, you know, and it's interesting. I I work remote. I, you know, I'm a, a consultant, so I'm not in with my clients. Hadn't seen one of my big ones on, you know, in person since before COVID. And you know, they've changed personnel. I mean, all sorts of things. I mean, now I communicate with them every single day, multiple times. But a couple of weeks ago, we all got together at the owner's house on a weekend and had a pool party, <coughs> and that was so much fun. Because we were able to do those little touch points. The hey, you know, we we hear you, you know, you got a new puppy or whatever type of things. And those I think are just as important in the workplace as, you know, what are you doing on this project type of thing. Absolutely. And um, yeah, you it's it's very hard to replicate that in a digital mm-hmm. world. We've right. tried, mm-hmm. you know, failed miserably. Mm-hmm. Um, so, mm-hmm. so I think, um, you know, I, I, I think our organization and, and I think a lot of organizations have gone to a place where they're happy with the output for mm-hmm. remote, but I, I still don't think it ever replaces in, in right. office. Right. 
you know, I was looking on your website and, and I love this, that you say, you know, you're not an agency. You're not a consultant. You are a partner. So talk to us about why that is so important. I think, or, you know, perhaps this is just my, my position and my perspective is just like a lot of agencies promote, um, very prescribed solutions. Mm -hmm. And sometimes those solutions are correct. And sometimes the solutions are, and, and the, and like a great example of that is, you know, a web development agency. Mm -hmm. Um, No offense to any web development agency, if you're listening to me. Mm -hmm. um, But I do know that often, sometimes um, a company will come to a web development agency and be like, Hey, you know, like it's been a very, it's very important for us to develop a new website. Mm -hmm. And they go, great. What are your requirements? They get the requirements. They start the work. Mm -hmm. The reality is, is that web development and, and a website is crucial to marketing, Mm -hmm. but not always the most important low hanging fruit. Mm -hmm. And often, you know, I would suggest that at least the web development owner, at least do the discovery to say, mm-hmm. uh, you know what? I actually don't think this is the best time for you. Right. So maybe come back to me in, in a couple mm-hmm. months. But, you know, most agencies won't, right? Mm-hmm. They're going to say, oh, thank you. Yes, yes. absolutely. Money, hello, pay us. Yeah, mm-hmm. we'll, do the, we'll do the work. Mm-hmm. And so we do take a very consultative approach. Mm-hmm. And um, now that being said, we are changing our model. We're not going to be as consultative. But one of the things that I am going to be standing for is I'm going to say no, mm-hmm. right? And I'm going to be like, no, you know what? This productized service that mm-hmm. we're doing for sales, which is comms work, brand work, mm-hmm. sales enablement work, then demand generation. This is right for a lot of organizations, but right now you're not ready for this. Mm-hmm. So my suggestion is, is that you need to actually take our advisory service. So mm-hmm. for at least one month, you can press reset mm-hmm. and actually be comfortable with where you start. Right. Versus not knowing. Mm-hmm. Right. So before jumping into this idea that you need our sales mm-hmm. stack kind of solution, mm-hmm. um, maybe you should just figure out this first. Mm-hmm. And and that's why I wanted to really call ourselves a partner. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way we've positioned ourselves, especially with some of the constellation software companies, is we are their marketing department. We mm-hmm. are accountable. Right. You are a fractional CMO. Yeah. And and so um and so you know, it's not about just trying to get the fees. It's mm-hmm. not just about trying to do what we're, we're, we're we specialize in. Mm-hmm. It is really about let's go figure out what's really going to move the needle mm-hmm. for this organization. Um, and and I'll be honest, it's it's a tough sell. Um, mm-hmm. It's not easy, and we have some amazing clients that literally live and breathe our um, our our model, and we're fully accountable for the work. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of companies that still like the design by committee and, mm-hmm. and second guess everything, and and that's fine. Um, but, um, you know, I, I think the, the, the point is, is that I don't want to be a person who just takes orders because mm-hmm. often right. what I had found in my previous roles is those orders are wrong. Mm-hmm. And so why would we take that work? Then? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and a lot of times it's not that they're wrong. It's that you don't have enough information. Um, you know, and, and so you might have say, you know, somebody in sales, we need you to redesign the website to do yada, 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 yada. But you're missing like another half of the story. And, you know, and, and I think that's where it gets a little bit tricky. And, and I've certainly been in that position with companies when we've consulted with them. You know, we'll finish up a project. And I had this happen. We developed this fabulous website for a client, worked with the, you know, the people that they had told us to work with, all these various things. It's launched. It's live. It's fabulous. The owner looks at it and goes, I don't like it. and and you know luckily i was you know this was you know i learned the hard way on this i had it in writing i had you know you are to work with these people they will give final approval you know and 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 you know and and so i said well you know i'm not sure what to tell you because we followed the contract um you know if if you didn't like it you should have chimed in much earlier we'd be more than happy to make revisions however (laughs) <laughs> this is the cost. <laughs> and, and then of course he decided he really liked it. But yeah, you know, it's it's when you're not part of that team, it is easy for things to get dropped and missed. And and um I and and also just getting alignment is mm-hmm. so difficult. Right. right. And um it's 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 probably the biggest thing that we face with mm-hmm. almost every organization. And 
the the sad thing that I have just come to the realization, and I haven't just come, I think I've just come to the acceptance that it's actually very, very much real, mm-hmm. is marketing. Like everyone thinks they're a marketer. Right. Every every single person mm-hmm. thinks they're a marketer. Mm-hmm. Now, now I'll, I'll say this. There's a very, very, there's amazing CEOs and founders mm-hmm. that are the ones that know they're not good marketers right. and hire great marketers. Mm-hmm. But often, more often than not, if, if there's a one role that I think everyone feels like they can mm-hmm. do, feels like they have the ability or they're slightly overconfident, mm-hmm. they carry a ton of bias towards the fact they can do it, it's, it's mm-hmm. marketing. Right. And, and, and so you get a lot of opinions and, and people often forget that, you know, one of our jobs is to do great marketing. And the mm-hmm. second one of our jobs is actually to navigate politics mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. the other thing that we have to be very sensitive on is the fact that we know that we affect the organization mm-hmm. and therefore our decisions will, will right. impact other people in the mm-hmm. organization. Mm-hmm. And there is a lot of political operations mm-hmm. required that I think, I, th- I, th- I think mm-hmm. um, a lot of companies don't see or understand. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and this is where I think marketing starts to fail mm-hmm. because when companies don't appreciate that they allow design by committee mm-hmm. and then they ostracize the fact that marketing mm-hmm. has not done a good job right. because they don't actually see the fact that the just design mm-hmm. by committee, this political operational mm-hmm. requirement actually does not set up marketing for mm-hmm. success. In fact, you don't need a marketing department if you're going to design by committee. Mm-hmm. That's actually the truth. So, so if you want every single person in your organization, every senior employee, to be a part of the decision, mm-hmm. don't have a marketing firm, right? Don't, and and don't, don't, you're actually never going to get any work done. I yeah. mean, you know, you're never going to get anything mm-hmm. done. And and people really don't get the math from this. You know, mm-hmm. a, a great example is we're working with a client right now. And I know for a fact that they typically have three or four people that want to approve stuff. Mm -hmm. So we have about six or seven pages of web web pages that we have to develop. Mm -hmm. And I said, um, you know, the reality is, is that even if we approve this page, Mm -hmm. even if we internally get this done, Mm -hmm. your approval process takes anywhere between 48 to maybe up to four business days. So every page Mm -hmm. before it goes into web development will take approximately Mm -hmm. eight business days Mm -hmm. before it actually hits development. Mm -hmm. And then you still have to approve the launch of that. Mm -hmm. So the reality is we're looking at two weeks of Mm -hmm. page. Right. So think about how bad that is. Mm -hmm. It's terrible. Um, And And, and sometimes by the time you get it done, the stuff that you did at the start doesn't apply anymore, right? Yeah, Yeah, it happens all the time. Mm -hmm. And so... A lot of companies need to be in the mindset that you got to set up marketing for success. Mm-hmm. And that means you got to let marketing own their work, right. which means you fire them mm-hmm. if they don't do a good job. Right. Yeah. But if you fire them because mm-hmm. you've had design by committee, you're firing the wrong person. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Because what you had was death by committee. Um, yeah. You know, and, and it's interesting. Long ago, I worked for a big financial services company and I was, you know, the, the Marcom department at that, you know, and, and, um, and now granted there are federal laws and guidelines when you're writing that, you know, and so there were certain things. And when I would write a marketing piece, you know, for whatever, maybe new product. So we're, you know, got a new product, we've got brochures, all sorts of stuff that we've got to develop for it. And at one point I counted and the approval process was 33 people. And it was 33 people because 30 of them really had nothing to do with it, but they wanted to be in on that. You know, and and so I discovered they had no clue. And and but they wanted to be on that list. The people who needed to be on that list absolutely positively were, of course, the attorneys, the compliance folks. Those were the people who needed to, to be on there. And then, you know, sales and and uh, you know, things like that. But yeah, I mean, some of these other departments that I had to run this past. So I discovered they actually just wanted on the list. They they knew nothing, they weren't going to give any input. And so my my emails would go out and say, here is X piece you know, need your decisions by X date. And if we have not heard from you by X date, we will assume that you approve because then they just, you know, they, they totally ignored it. And then the, the people that I knew like legal and, and those that absolutely had to be part of it, them I nagged and I, and I got this stuff from, but yeah, it was, it really was the, I don't want to be left out phenomenon. And, and so we had, you know, and, and luckily we didn't have death by committee, but it came darn close sometimes. 
Yeah, and, and it's and it's always amusing right? because at the end of the day, um, these people, you know, feel the need that everything needs to be perfect too. Mm-hmm. Right. And and that's the farthest from the mm-hmm. truth. Yeah. Now there's a limit to this, meaning that you know, in, in my opinion, there's a curve. Mm-hmm. And the curve is is there's a point where you can make a lot of mistakes mm-hmm. and it doesn't really matter. Right. And then there's a point where it crescents, mm-hmm. you know, it hits that peak. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes very detrimental if you're mm-hmm. not. So, right. for example, you're buying the Super Bowl ad. Mm-hmm. Don't have a mistake. Right. Because you That's have, a lot of money. <laughs> it's a lot of money. Well, forget the money. Just think about the impressions, mm-hmm. right? right. And, and the impression time mm-hmm. and, and, and all that. And then there's the mom and pop, you know, law firm mm-hmm. in Idaho doing right. an ad on a billboard mm-hmm. that can barely afford. Fact of the matter is, you could probably make a mistake. Probably no one's mm-hmm. really going to notice. It's right. not going to re- really. As long as you've right. got, say, the phone number correct, then you're okay. Yeah, and and so and so the fact of the matter is, is like some people spend way too much time mm-hmm. for doing nothing. Right. You know, they 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 uh, they 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 get all these people involved on something that's going to make very little impact, mm-hmm. and it actually just makes more impact if you just get it out there mm-hmm. because you actually drive observations right. from it. Right. Mm-hmm. You can see if this ad actually works because guess mm-hmm. what? If your ad is so good. That you only get a thousand impressions because you can, can't really afford anything else. Mm-hmm. And guess what? Then you're going to know that. And if it is right. really bad, you're going to know that really quickly mm-hmm. too. But you're not going to know that if it's going to spend six weeks. If it's never out. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. So it's just like mm-hmm. this idea that all these companies are so uptight on ad copy and graphics mm-hmm. and how edgy they are. It's like you're delusional. Mm-hmm. If you had this much money. Mm-hmm. You would have more people doing right. this. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're you're wasting your own resources. Yes. And and what I want everyone on the call or on this on this podcast listening to know is don't be scared to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. Because funny enough, sometimes the mistakes are going to give you amazing mm-hmm. observations. And they have. Mm-hmm. For example, I do upside down billboard campaigns, and I learned this from mm-hmm. someone who made a mistake. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's great. Mm-hmm. And it's silly. You get people's attention. You get people's attention and you get people. Yeah. So, you know what? You, we got so many people be like, oh my God, look at this marketing agency. They're so stupid. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yep. So stupid that you posted it on TikTok and now everyone knows where the restaurant mm-hmm. is. Thank you. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and everyone knew the restaurant. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. We looked, we as the marketing firm, mm-hmm. we did it. Looked like we did something really stupid, but I got my goal. Right. My you goal got was those no eyeballs. One, mm-hmm. No one knew about this restaurant. Yep. And now I've got your attention mm-hmm. very clearly. And some people will go, oh, well, that's a negative attention. I was like, it doesn't matter mm-hmm. because if this was a Vietnamese restaurant, mm-hmm. a Cajun restaurant, whatever it's going to be, someone's going to look at it and be like, oh, that's a new Cajun restaurant. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's close by. Right. Right. They don't look at, oh, like, oh, wow, they must be a mm-hmm. shitty restaurant mm-hmm. because the ad is upside down. Mm-hmm. No, they, they go, oh, OK, no. Yeah. Or they might right. go, well, that's funny. Look, their ads upside down. Now, where are they located? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so right. and so, you know, I think um, a lot of people, I, I think just generally speaking, everyone's so sensitive. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that I'll say to everyone is the 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 lower amount of money and capital resources you have mm-hmm. that you can apply to mm-hmm. whatever campaign you have, the more aggressive you have to be on your creative. Right. Mm-hmm. That's you have to law. fight for it. Yeah, that's the mm-hmm. law. If your mm-hmm. creative sucks and you don't have distribution, mm-hmm. you have low frequency, mm-hmm. which means you got to make an impression mm-hmm. on the first or second right. time. That's all the time mm-hmm. you got. Right. So, so be aggressive. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and yeah, I, I I see this all the time. And mid-sized companies, small businesses, even sometimes enterprises where they're doing mm-hmm. small campaigns, it's just too much headache on bureaucracy, mm-hmm. too much headache on design by committee, right. trying mm-hmm. to be perfect. Well, and then the other mistake that I see so many times is they do not know who their target is. Um, you know, and and uh, for those of you who are listening, Nathan just smirked. <laughs> because right that is the biggest issue we have because you know and and i'm sure you have this every time you ask a client who who are you trying to reach and they look at you and they smile and they say everyone no there is nothing in this world 
that is applicable to everyone. You know, there are different degrees. I mean, like Walmart does not market to everyone. Starbucks does a, does not market to everyone. You know, all of like Mercedes-Benz. I mean, seriously, would anybody think Mercedes-Benz was marketing to, to everybody? But I see that all the time. And, and, and I know part of it is they're scared. They're scared they're going to miss someone. But if you're wasting your money and your resources and, and you know, Worse, maybe it's salespeople going and calling on these people and doing all this, and they have absolutely no intention of ever buying your product or service. Then why do you want to even deal with them? You know, and some of that is how are you reaching them? You know, I I had a client one time who said, and you'll love this. She wanted to know if because we focus on on marketing using social media, she wanted to know if we were going to use IG. And I, and it took me a second to figure out she meant Instagram. Um, you know, she just saw IG, which is, you know, commonly what, what we use. And so she wanted to know if we were marketing on IG. And I said, no, we're not marketing on IG because that's not where our audience is. The people we're trying to reach does not use Instagram at all. So why would we spend our money? And she went, but it's the cool place to be, right? That's where the cool kids hang out. No, you know, if if our audience is not there, same thing, you know, television. I, I always love it when I'm watching TV and a commercial will come on and I'm like, somebody screwed up. You know, that ad should not be running during this program. You know, maybe it's very much, you know, an adult theme type of, of program like crime or something. And, and a commercial for kids will come on. And I'm thinking, now that's a real good salesperson that talked him into doing that. But but it was a waste of money. you know. And, and so that's the worst part is then they look at it and go, well, we got nothing from that. Therefore, we're never doing it again. And maybe it was just, okay, well, we like that television station or that, you know, whatever it is, we just weren't in the right place at the right time. And, and you know, I'll expand on this and I'll be a bit of a contrarian, Deb, so I'm not disagreeing with you, but I will say what you're talking about is really incrementality mm-hmm, and right. incrementality and prioritization mm-hmm. in an organization is mm-hmm. really important because mm-hmm. I always say this to every single organization, you are capitally constrained. Mm-hmm. You are resource right. constrained, whether mm-hmm. that's by money or by mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. And so you're absolutely correct. You need to market on the platforms that have mm-hmm. your people on right. them or mm-hmm. have a high likelihood of having your mm-hmm. people on them. Because if you don't, well, the reality is, is you're going up on the wrong side of the hill mm-hmm. and that side of the hill is very steep. Right. Now, if you're an incredibly mature organization mm-hmm. and you have maximized the mm-hmm. incrementality, and right. for those that don't know this fancy word incrementality, it's basically a measurement of mm-hmm. the channel of mm-hmm. how much more you can do in that channel. So if you mm-hmm. have maximized all the incrementality in a channel, which mm-hmm. is Instagram, then yes, you have to leave that channel to right. go find more mm-hmm. people. But but I will tell you right now, I can tell you right now, everyone that's listening, it is unlikely you have maximized incrementality right. of one channel. It is very mm-hmm. unlikely. Unless mm-hmm. you're you're doing 20, 30, 40 million dollars, mm-hmm. you're you've probably not even maximized. Mm-hmm. You can easily maximize a single channel mm-hmm. past seven figures mm-hmm. very easily. Right. You know, you can easily use LinkedIn for seven figures mm-hmm. very easily. So I think, um, I, you know, I, I see this, you're absolutely correct. Like people always choose the wrong channel, but more mm-hmm. importantly, people just forget that um, when people make decisions, we are just like really, really lazy people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm writing a book right now that's based on consumer psychology research mm-hmm. and marketing concepts, because I feel like there's actually not a very like layman's book that put mm-hmm. both of these together. And generally speaking, there's a key theme. We are lazy. We're right. lazy. We love heroes. Make it we easy for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, make it easy for me. Mm-hmm. And so this is the one thing that I always say to people because we we build a lot of websites. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, I want my 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 homepage to speak to more than one person because mm-hmm. I don't want to miss out. Right. You know, I don't want to miss out on talking to someone. Mm-hmm. And I go, you know that time you went to an Italian Chinese restaurant and you had your Italian friends and then you had a Chinese friend like me go? And you know what happens? Your Italian friends aren't happy and the Chinese friends aren't happy. Right. You know why? Because neither of them appreciate the food. Yeah, because it's food not a good either. fusion. <laughs> yeah, it's neither good Italian and it's not good Chinese mm-hmm. and it's just weird, mm-hmm. right? That's the exact same thing happens right. when mm-hmm. you have an Italian Chinese landing page speaking to two people. Mm-hmm. Right. It doesn't feel good. Mm-hmm. It doesn't speak to your mm-hmm. users. And guess what? they feel less confident. And when mm-hmm. they feel less confident, they'll go to someone else. They right. feel more confident. Right. Yeah. And because they're happens. one click away. 
And that's what happens mm-hmm. when you don't speak to the right user mm-hmm. and you don't just specialize in mm-hmm. that. And, and it's so common. It's, mm-hmm. you know, and I bring up restaurants all the time because I think it's something that everyone, mm-hmm. everyone that's listening can right. really um, we we understand that concept. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what that's mm-hmm. you know that's the number one reason why mm-hmm. fusion restaurants are hard to do, mm-hmm. very incredibly right. hard to execute. Mm-hmm. Right? It's because you are speaking to two people. Mm-hmm. Yes, you have created. See now, this is the beautiful part about marketing. Yes, you have created a unique product, and guess what? No one wanted it. Right. Was it a unique product that people wanted or that you thought they wanted? No one wants the one ton noodles made with spaghetti. Mm -hmm. Like, cool, great, unique, Mm -hmm. doesn't exist in the market, Mm -hmm. doesn't mean there's demand. Doesn't right. mean I want it. Doesn't mm-hmm. mean doesn't mean it's a good business, right? Mm-hmm. So so this is a great experience, like thing where you know entrepreneurs have to mm-hmm. respect that, and you know, and then and and the other perspective is blue ocean versus red ocean, mm-hmm. right? This idea where you do blue ocean, um, and there's there's challenges. Yes, there's mm-hmm. opportunity, but do you have enough money mm-hmm. to go through that right. hard part of that opportunity, mm-hmm. right? Um, so if you go blue ocean, um. You know, you think for some reason, uh, one ton noodles mm-hmm. with spaghetti noodles is the greatest thing since sliced mm-hmm. bread. Do you want to spend the money mm-hmm. educating the market right. on how amazing it mm-hmm. is? And if you don't, likelihood of success is low. Right. right. And so this is why specialization is is the mm-hmm. easier path. Right. Well, and, you know, you can always expand. I mean, that's the and I think that's the thing that people forget is, you know, you've got product A and you and you get you know a lot of people using product. Well, then you can think about adding product B that might be, you know, maybe people have been asking for it or you did think, well, hey, this is kind of a cool thing. Let's do that. But yeah, don't try and do A, B, C, D, E if you don't even know if A is going to sell. Exactly. And, you know, a great, there's tons of good examples of this. But, you know, I'm going to use sportswear as a great example of this. You see Under Armour and Lululemon doing this. Mm-hmm. They've maximized their the the amount they can grow mm-hmm. within a category. Right. So very similar to that of incrementality mm-hmm. on a channel perspective. Mm-hmm. But now this is incrementality on a category mm-hmm. perspective, right? So Lululemon has started to realize, okay, well, I've maximized, you know, athletic wear. Mm-hmm. And now... I think I can't remember how many years ago, five or six years ago, they were like, let's go to athletic leisure, mm-hmm. casual wear. Right. right. And so now we're going to bridge the category mm-hmm. into a slightly similar mm-hmm. category, right. but not the same. Mm-hmm. And we're going to move into that. Mm-hmm. And then um, we're going to move into now they have shoes. Mm-hmm. So they've moved into shoes. Right. And so, th- you know, that's a perfect example where mm-hmm. when you have reached critical mass mm-hmm. in a category and you have enough brand mm-hmm. behind it that makes sense but mm-hmm. you know no offense to anyone on this call and and, and this podcast the likelihood of you being that big already right. yeah you, you know i like I to think i have a big audience but probably not that <laughs> and, and 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 it takes a long time mm-hmm. right so um so i think people forget that they get there by mm-hmm. specialization right they don't get there by mm-hmm. by being everything to everyone mm-hmm. and if we actually want to talk about clothing forever 21 is a perfect example of that. Mm-hmm. right right forever 21, i am not their audience <laughs> you're not their audience but forever mm-hmm. 21 was trying to be everything to everyone mm-hmm. and right. that's why they went bankrupt mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and now they're bought by sheen mm-hmm. right and and so and, and i think this is again this idea where you know if you really 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 want to mm-hmm. grow big the goal is is actually you have such a big brand and you have such a big mm-hmm. presence that your authority can actually right. bridge mm-hmm. into other adjacent mm-hmm. markets. But that is like the mature right. of the mature of organization. Well, and even sometimes that doesn't work. You know, I, I live in Atlanta, the 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 home of many great big big brands, right? So Coca-Cola is based here. And I remember, I, you know, I, I don't remember. It's it's been a while. Ago, I mean, like many years ago, when they launched New Coke, and and they, and it was just. I mean, I remember the marketing efforts and and all of this. And not only did they launch New Coke, they got rid of the current Coke. Now people like Coke for a certain taste, right? I'm a Coca Cola person. I don't like Pepsi because to me, Pepsi is so sweet. And you know, and, and so they went, oh hey, we're going to launch this New Coke, and the, the uproar was, of course, huge. 
And so then they went back to classic Coke for a while. And then poor new Coke just died. I don't think you could probably buy it anywhere. But but yeah, it, they thought, let's let's force the market into this new product. And the market said, uh-uh. <laughs> you know, and, and they just refused to buy it. Um, you know, and 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 I mean they they would have the the money to be able to to reach out and and do as much and and it didn't work because they tried to force a product on people that people didn't want. You know, they they were fixing a problem that didn't exist. Often, often the curse of an mm-hmm. entrepreneur. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I and remember- it- Go ahead, Deb. Well, and they tell us as marketing people, you know, what is their pain? How can we fix it? Well, you know, we don't always know. And and I I like to put a different twist on that. I say, how can we bring them pleasure? Why do we have to be dealing with pain? You know, why can't we deal with pleasure? But but yeah, you know, if if we don't get either that pleasure or that pain right, it is a total waste. Yeah, and and often even the prioritization of that pain, right? Um, mm-hmm. is this, is this something that's actually painful I, enough to make them mm-hmm. co- create action? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think more often than not, most companies don't validate that mm-hmm. early enough in their, in their product right. development stages. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, and, uh, and, and companies just, just need to be, you know, I, this goes back to people think they're, they know marketing. I think, mm-hmm. um, let's forget a marketing for a second. And I said this in my last uh, podcasts where I was guesting, I, I said, entrepreneurs just need to lose their ego. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, people in organizations just need to lose their right. ego. And if we did, honestly, I think a lot of companies would be a lot better off. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, kind of like so, Coke trying to force a new product on people. Yeah. yeah. Just, just, just lose the ego, mm-hmm. right? Solve, solve a problem that you know people really mm-hmm. want. And, and if the numbers make sense, then, then continue doing mm-hmm. it, but don't assume Mm-hmm. Where where thing, um, right. and Kodak is a great example of mm-hmm. ego. Oh yeah, right? people aren't going to do digital cameras. What do you know? What are you talking about? And 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 the other thing, like this is this is ego, right? And one of the reasons why Kodak wouldn't move was because they felt like it was going to cannibalize their market, mm-hmm. and and that's fine, right? right. You know, I can I can appreciate that. Mm-hmm. I can really deeply appreciate that. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want my business to be cannibalized, this thing that I've been mm-hmm. building for the, my entire right. life. And then mm-hmm. I'm just going to assume someone's going to take my market over. But the reality was, was like, that's what the market wanted. Right. That's where mm-hmm. the market was trending. Mm-hmm. Um, and you chose to ignore it. Mm-hmm. And now you don't exist. Right. Right. <laughs> Hello, Blockbuster. <laughs> Blockbuster is a great example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like right. Blockbuster, mm-hmm. Kodak. Um, you know, two amazing mm-hmm. examples of massive organizations, right. BlackBerry, mm-hmm. um, you know, like BlackBerry isn't even known for their cell phones anymore. They're known for their technology that's used for AI, like visuals. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I didn't even know that they still existed. Yeah, and, so and, and I was one of those. I loved my BlackBerry. Oh, my God. I oh. love it because part of it is I like that little keyboard. I just like that little keyboard. But but yeah, you know, when when people went to smartphones, BlackBerry went, no, no, that's not what they want. Pete, they like my little keyboard. Well, not yeah, enough people like their little keyboard. Not enough people like their keyboard. Now, that being said, I used to type, and I, this is a proud mm-hmm. moment, anywhere between like 40 to 60 words per minute on my keyboard. I right. used to be, it was real easy for was, some reason to do that. Mm. I can't do that for the life <laughs> of me on a touch screen. <laughs> no, no. But there's just not enough users like me who like, mm-hmm. I genuinely loved it. I, st- mm-hmm. I stuck with my BlackBerry as long as I could. Mm-hmm. And then I finally gave up because right. they're, they, they stopped innovating on their mm-hmm. hardware. Right. And, and I think that's, that's where they started to mm-hmm. really lose. Yeah. So, so again, great examples where I think ego really mm-hmm. kills a brand. Right. Um, and, and, you know, I think, especially when it comes to marketing, we got to lose mm-hmm. our egos. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. You know, so how, how do you create a good marketing team? Um, you know, because like you said, everybody thinks that they can do it. You know, so how do you create a good marketing team? So I have a system where it's like for series A companies and like okay. companies that are raising money or, mm-hmm. or just like seed fund. fund kind of, mm-hmm. You know, typically what I recommend is you want a product marketer to come on first because I define a product marketer as a person who focuses on building the product, okay. making sure that you actually have documentation mm-hmm. around your features, right. what benefits are provided and matching mm-hmm. that up to pain points and proving those pain points mm-hmm. and actually like proving like a market, like a mm-hmm. product market fit. Like that's the job of the product market, mm-hmm. right? It's is to really prove out this product market fit. 
Um, and I find that again, a lot of companies just don't do that. Right. So that's generally the first hire because if you don't have someone who's just spending their time on that, typically the CEO or the founder or mm-hmm. the salesperson, they're not doing that. They're kind of mm-hmm. doing it, but they're not doing a great job. Right. You want someone focused on that. Um, until you can afford four internal employees, mm-hmm. my recommendation is you're likely better off working with an agency. Mm-hmm. Why do I say that? Is because if you don't work with an agency, what you're going to end up doing is you're going to hire a bunch of generalists. And right. work with your organization. Mm-hmm. And generally speaking, depending on where these generalists come from, they will also be very pigeonholed in their experience. Mm-hmm. For example, right. so they might be a social media expert or mm-hmm. yeah. And more importantly, if they come from a larger organization, it's likely they don't actually have a lot of experience mm-hmm. because if they come from a larger uh, organization, they've likely been pigeonholed in particular mm-hmm. tactics that they right. need to execute mm-hmm. or manage. So the long story short is you are more you are probably better off working or finding individuals that exit mm-hmm. out of agencies mm-hmm. because at least they have had the mm-hmm. opportunity to look at marketing right. in a broad mm-hmm. lens in in several different categories mm-hmm. with a myriad of mm-hmm. very different challenges right. and they've needed to problem solve around mm-hmm. that. You hire someone who's only had corporate experience, mm-hmm. I'm going to argue that they may have great operational experience. Mm-hmm. They may be able to do process really well, mm-hmm. but they're not going to have those problem solving skills mm-hmm. that you'll see in someone who's worked successfully mm-hmm. inside of an agency. Mm-hmm. Um, now that all being said, the person from the agency is going to be bloody expensive. Right. Um, and the person from the industry is likely going to be mm-hmm. similarly expensive, but with less experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, if you can't afford four people, you're going to need to hire an agency, mm-hmm. in my opinion, you know, pound for pound, you're probably going to get better value. Right. Um, and uh, when you can hire four people, then you're going to hire specialists. So mm-hmm. You're going to hire someone for SEO, mm-hmm. you're going to hi- SEO and content, you're going to hire someone specifically for demand generation to, to really own your data analytics mm-hmm. and your media buying. Right. And then you're going to hire a senior person who's really going to oversee the mm-hmm. direction of your marketing. Right. Um, but if you can't afford all that, um, I would I would recommend just hiring a coordinator mm-hmm. right. and having that coordinator mm-hmm. work with agencies and hope to God that you mm-hmm. actually hire a good agency because mm-hmm. they should be leading those mm-hmm. conversations. Right. Your coordinator, your coordinator right. just needs to make sure they're the, the coordinator. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he just gets right. he or she just gets the job done. Mm-hmm. But these agencies should be leading mm-hmm. your thought process because right. that's what you're paying them for. Mm-hmm. Well, and if you don't have the funds to be having full time employees then you you know your need is smaller and so that's where an agency is a very big benefit you know you don't need 40 hours a week from somebody doing that you need 10 hours a week or whatever and that's where you know outsourcing whether it's an agency a consultant freelancer whatever but again you need that coordinator especially if you've got more than one that you have hired because that co- that coordinator is going to make sure that everybody is working together as that team yeah, which is exactly why we have a fractional mm-hmm. CMO model because mm-hmm. the reality is, is not every company needs me full time. Right, they need me in little chunks. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not till maybe two or three years of successfully mm-hmm. implementing marketing would you really need a CMO like, right. full time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think that's one thing that's that is is good for small businesses who don't have the funds to hire and and I you know and I think that stops people from starting a business because they think oh I have to hire this and this and this and this no you know you are you going to hire an attorney full time probably not well then maybe you don't need a marketing person full time um you know all of those various things and so it's definitely something for new businesses to be thinking about you know what are their resources and what are their actual needs and uh yeah and and just making sure that you you do spend the time right because like mm-hmm. spending hundred to two hundred dollars an hour for someone who's actually an expert in your market it's going to save you thousands right. and thousands mm-hmm. of dollars in the, oh, yeah. in the long yeah. run, right penny wise pound foolish right mm-hmm. and I think mm-hmm. that's 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 what um I think again that ego part mm-hmm. um you know even for myself you know for example I do a bunch of Instagram stuff I feel like I sh- I should have gone and just hired an mm-hmm. Instagram specialist just right. to like coach me for an mm-hmm. hour because it would save me a ton of heartache mm-hmm. you know um right. Well, and, and I tell people, you know, I operate on the 15 minute rule. You know, if if it's going to take me, if it's a project that's not directly what I'm supposed to be doing, 
if it's going to take more than 15 minutes, then I should have somebody else do it because they're the expert. They're going to do it faster. You know, all of these things. I recently hired somebody. We started a a new initiative on uh, helping those with cancer. And now I do branding. I do websites. I hired that out, you know, and, and that was because I needed to hire those true experts to get it done faster, better. And, you know, as, as we were saying, at start, they actually got it done. If I was just kind of putting it in with other things I was doing, it might still not be done. Um, you know, and, and that's sometimes where outsourcing is, is absolutely what you need to be doing. That's a great rule. Thank you for it. And, yeah, and it's hard because like some of those things I really liked, like I love tinkering on my websites. That's not the best use of my time. Yes. And, and yeah, I'm definitely a person. So I have a rule where every part of my organization I must be an expert on mm-hmm. or must have tried to be an mm-hmm. expert so that I actually understand things. And so mm-hmm. I think what ends up happening is I forget about that 15 minute mm-hmm. rule afterwards mm-hmm. um, because I do want to know. Mm-hmm. I do genuinely right. want to understand things. Mm-hmm. Um, but but at the same time, it is not the highest and best mm-hmm. use of my time. Right. Yeah. yeah, I remember years ago, I was getting a master's degree. And, and it was a program where we did not select the classes. You know, it was this set program, and you took this and this and this. And, and, and this was, this is, you know, 20 years ago. And one of the classes we had to take was video production. And it was back when, you know, you still had these huge video rooms and, and all sorts of stuff. And, and, and I remember I told the instructor, this is not something I'm ever going to do. Why do I have to take this class? Right. And the instructor said, will you ever have to supervise somebody who's doing it? And I said, eh, probably. And he said, then you need to know enough so that you can supervise well. He had a great point. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Well, oh my gosh, Nathan, we've only got a couple minutes left and we didn't even talk about new technology. Oh my gosh, AI, chat, GPT, all that stuff, um, <coughs> which is a big deal in the marketing world. Um, you know, and, and so I'd love to have you on to continue a discussion and, and talk about that. But until then, tell us a little bit more about your agency, which is Find Your Audience. Tell us a little bit more about it and what are the services that you provide? So we predominantly focus on B2B sales led mm-hmm. organizations. And just as I've mentioned, we kind of have a five-step process where mm-hmm. we work with these organizations. And the first step of that process is we actually look to help double down on your sales led part of your organization. And we do that by doubling or tripling the productivity of your sales team by taking away all the stupid things they should not be doing. Um, that includes your decks, your case studies, your product slicks, your conferences that for some reason, one of your account managers is dealing with, they should never be doing these things. And also just all of the logistics required for those conferences. Because again, as a sales led organization, I know that sometimes some of your best leads come from these conferences, Mm -hmm. but it's going to be even better when we focus on really activating those conferences Mm -hmm. for you and not your salespeople, right? Really procuring swag that's meaningful. Mm -hmm. So not those pens and those notebooks that no one really cares about. Um, and really creating an experience where we add value. So that's kind of the first main mm-hmm. step. Um, and then the second and third really focus on sales enablement tools and demand generation. And then finally, at the end, we really go into brand and, and, and marketing mm-hmm. and, and kind of the awareness part of the, mm-hmm. of the uh, but you know, we understand and respect that a lot of organizations mm-hmm. are sales led and we want salespeople to know that we build marketing around them. So we mm-hmm. don't drive our own boat. We build it around them because we know Again, when it comes to incrementality, let's maximize mm-hmm. incrementality. Let's maximize the channels that are working. And if you're a sales-led organization, I can almost guarantee you there's a way for marketing for us to help you increase that incrementality. And that's really our focus. I love it. Well, how do they find you? And then how do they connect with you? Awesome. You can find us at our website, which is www.finderaudience.online. And if you want to find me, I'm on LinkedIn. So you can probably see that in the details of this podcast. And lastly, if you're ever interested in listening to my bloody marketing consumer psychology stuff, which I post every single day, so you would definitely learn something because I have is a uh, is actually um, marketing bites fya.marketingbytes on Instagram. Ooh, I love it. I love it. Well, this really has been so much fun. Like I said at the very start, I love talking marketing because that's, you know, that's my baby. That's what I've been doing for all of my career. We won't say how long, but for a long time. Um so, um, but you know, and 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 we do have to have you on again because I think this is such an important topic. 
But until then, do you have any final thoughts that you want to leave everyone with? My final thoughts is just uh, don't overcomplicate marketing for yourself. Um, yes, you got to select priorities, but for for just do not do not wait weeks for you to produce an ad. It's okay for you to make mistakes because unless you're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars to push out that ad, no one's going to see it. No one's going to care. It's okay, right? Robbie Downer Jr. was an alcoholic and a drug person, and he's famous now. Guess what? No one remembers. So just just remember, there are a ton of literal case studies of people ruining their lives, brands ruining themselves and reinventing themselves. So if you think your one little tiny ad in creative is going to impact your entire career, you are wrong. Um, and you just 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 be comfortable with that because I really want everyone on this listening today just to take action and, and be comfortable and be bold. It's okay to be bold, be fun, um, be different. I love it. So much fun. Well, I'm Deb Creer. I've been having a great conversation with Nathan Young. And until next time, everyone have a great day. Tune in for our next program for even more trends, best practices, and techniques for how to make your business a success. The Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer, is proud to be part of the C-Suite Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>